0: <coughs> we had discussed the first three actions, which Hadid has compiled in this booklet, the four actions to acquire the friendship of Allah Ta'ala. The first action was of keeping the beard to one first length, second was to keep the garment above the ankles. The third was the aspect of protecting the gaze. This is now the fourth action. The fourth action, protecting the heart. Together with protecting the gaze, it is also necessary to protect the heart. Some people protect the gaze of the eyes, but do not protect the gaze of the heart. This means that they protect the eyes from casting lustful glances, but they do not protect the heart from thinking of beautiful faces. By means of such thoughts and imaginations, they derive haram pleasure. But one should understand well that this is also haram. Allah Ta'ala declares, يَعْنَ مُخَائِنَةَ Wa Ma Sudur. Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eyes and the secrets of the hearts. Allah Ta'ala is aware of the haram pleasure that you derive in your heart. When Buzuk states, Chorya aankho ki or Sino ke raz, janta hai sabku tu e beniaz. The deceptions of the eyes and the secrets of the hearts, you are all away, O oh, the most independent one. It is not sinful if the previous sins come to mind, rather it is sinful to bring these thoughts to mind. If an evil thought comes to mind, one will not be taken to task for it. However, when an evil thought comes, it is haram to thereafter entertain that thought by thinking further about it, or to deliberately think of the past sins and derive pleasure from it, or to plot committing a sin in the future. So one is an involuntary thought. Many person gets very perturbed by the involuntary thoughts, the wasavis. This is shaitan's job. Shaitan has got no other occupation. He doesn't have to open any business in the morning. He doesn't have to go to any job. His job is just to try and keep disturbing the servants of Allah. So to keep whispering these wasavis, this is shaitan's job. So the waswasa that comes in the mind, that is not something that is accountable, a person is not sinful for, a thought having come to his mind but once that point has come that he or the when the thought came after that it's in his control whether to entertain the thoughts and engage himself in the thoughts or to turn the mind away from the thought so if that Vaswasa came and he turned his mind away came again sometime later he turned his mind away, away again And if that happened a hundred times, but that will not harm him in the least, but provided that he is doing what he is supposed to do. And each time he is making that mujahada to turn his mind away to something positive, turn his mind away to the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, turn his mind away to the qabr, thinking about akhirat, thinking about the... Accountability on the day of Qiyamah, oh, or he starts immediately engaging his heart in the zikr of Allah ta'ala. So he immediately turns to the remembrance of Allah ta'ala from the depths of his heart. So he is doing what he's supposed to do, then if this happens a thousand times too, neither will it harm him, nor will it Be accountable. In fact, these repeated thoughts, because he is doing what he is supposed to do, that becomes, he turns this negative into his positive, this becomes the firewood of taqwa. Each time he is burning this up by turning his mind away, by making the mujahada to not engage in that thought. Because the nafs will be tempted to continue engaging in that thought. So he is not engaging in it. So he is burning up this firewood. And by burning it up in this manner, figuratively speaking, burning it up, this lights up the fire of taqwa in his heart. And this is what is the crux of one dua of Rasulullah وسلم, which he taught us. These are all duas which are ta'lim for the ummah. Allahumma j'al wa qalbi wa zikrak. Allahumma ij'al wasawisa qalbi ya Allah these waswasas of that are attacking my heart convert this Allahumma ij'al wasawisa qalbi khashyatuk convert this into your fear and in your remembrance how did this get converted exactly in the manner that was discussed that when he was afflicted by this waswasa so he got perturbed in the sense that, Astaghfirullah, how can I be engaging my mind in something like this? How can I entertain a thought of this nature? Now, why is he perturbed by or oh, in trying to save himself from engaging in that? He wants to now move his mind, he wants to make the mujada for what? For who? If he's turning his gaze away, it could have been for insan, it could be for Allah Ta'ala alone. It could have been due to Insan also, that because he realized somebody is watching him, so now he decided to be very, very cautious and make it seem like he would have never looked in any other direction, even if he was alone. But the reality, unfortunately, was that this whole (coughs) very cautious approach was for the sake of Insan, because he realized somebody is looking at him at that time. But what's in the heart, nobody else can see. That only Allah Ta'ala knows. So it was only for the fear and out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala that he did not engage in that haram talk. Now this is the conversion of that waswasa into khashiyad. And he started then engaging in the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. He was blank. He had no other... He wasn't involved in any zikr at that time. His heart wasn't engaged in any amal in that time. He probably was even thinking of something about dunya, permissible dunya, no problem. If he was planning something about his work, whatever the case is. Now suddenly one vaswasa came. So first he was in a neutral situation. When this vaswasa came, he started to, in order to keep the heart away from engaging in it, he started making zikr from the heart, zikr e And this is the most effective thing for the vaswasa. The tongue is engaged in zikr, but if the heart at that time is not focused, that won't dispel that was But if the heart is engaged in the zikr, so he was in a neutral situation, suddenly now his heart is engaged in zikr, his heart is engaged in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. So where did that come? what became the catalyst? That was a negative, but that negative became the catalyst because he responded in the right manner. This is that. Of this du'a. And this dua is something to make regularly. Allahumma Al Wasabisa qalbi khashyataka wa zikarak. Ya Allah, you change the waswasas of my heart into a means of your fear and your zikr and remembrance. So that waswasa that came in his heart is not something that he is accountable for, is not something that will harm him in any way, provided he did not then engage in it. He did not entertain it. This is the aspect that was mentioned here. It is not sinful if the previous sins come to mind, rather it is sinful to bring these thoughts to mind. That is now on on a deliberate note, a person is deliberately bringing to mind. And if an evil thought comes to mind, so that first part of it was something beyond his control, but if an evil thought comes to mind, one will not be taken to task for it, However, when an evil thought comes to mind, it is haram to thereafter entertain that thought by thinking further about it, or to deliberately think of the past sins and derive pleasure from it, or to plot committing a sin in the future. These aspects will incur the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. Another severe harm of thinking of evil is that the desire to commit sins is intensified. As a result, There is a grave danger that one will become physically involved in sin. This is also the trap of shaitan. Shaitan's traps come in very devious ways. So one is that a person now is making mashallah the effort to keep himself safe, not to do anything wrong. He probably sometimes got involved in some haram in the past, so he gave that up, he made toba from that. So, Shaitan now sometimes, out of the blue, will bring the past in a guise of in a positive guise. He'll bring the past to mind in a positive guise. La wala billah. What jahiliyat I was in? What jahiliyat I was in? he started rewinding the jahiliyat. So it started off on, you know, what a terrible thing it was. Indeed, it was terrible, but that became now the door that shaitan opened. Okay, oh, opened the door to get in to start rewinding the past. Now, instead of one is to think about la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. What did I do with disgust? And take that whole mind now, fast forward it to the day of qiyamah, That if I'm going to be questioned about those things, what answer I'll give? So that will spur him on to renewing his Tawbah. It will spur him on to further istighfar. Provided now he's thinking about it, if he thought about something, if it came to mind. One should avoid deliberately going into the details of the past. Yes, on a general note, to keep making Tawbah and istighfar for the past. But if something in specific came to mind... So fast forward that mind to the day of Tiyamad, not to be just thinking about, well, what happened? Because that's Shaitan's way of now bringing alive the past in order to drop the person for the future. Because now this will now create some kind of thing in the heart where it will start creating some inclination for that person. One person was, had a smoking habit. And then Alhamdulillah he made the effort to give it up. So he gave it up. And after some time one day he came to say well I had given this up for so long. Whatever period of time it was. Several months. This, today I just fell into it again. What happened? So long you gave it up? So from a distance he had seen somebody smoking. And that just now triggered everything again. Now just that one sight of somebody smoking brought back the whole whatever in his mind and before he knew it, he fell. So this is the same way shaitan tries to use the mind to drop the person. By making him live in the past and now starts making him think, whereas that was such a major deception, starts making him think that you enjoyed the past. Whereas what destruction that brought, Shaitan puts the cover over that. And that which he learned his lesson in the past, and at that time made some very, very strong uh, vows upon himself, made some very, very firm pledges to Allah Ta'ala. Allah, you take me out of this situation, and this is it, I am never going to go back to this again. This brought such terrible consequences, it brought this kind of disgrace upon me. My family is now in uh, almost I'm about to lose everything. My business is falling and all these illicit things, the it has dropped me. Now all these things, A person at that time makes his promises to Allah and makes his pledges to Allah, Ta'ala, Allah, I'm definitely out of this. Just resolve this situation for me. Now, Allah Ta'ala removed that Situation. One month went, few months went. Now shaitan brought back the past. Now he started scrolling the phone and suddenly saw the contact. So why wasn't the contact deleted to start off with? Why wasn't it blocked completely also? So shaitan kept all for that for one future attempt again. Now he starts making him live in the past. First started off on astaghfirullah. And la hawla wa la illa billah. But... That now became, because he then engaged in that. Before he knows it, he's back into it. Now he's already following that haram contact again. He's already now trying to link up that with the illicit relationships he had. So the thing is that to totally turn the mind away from that. Never to engage in the thoughts of the past deliberately. Yes, the thought comes to immediately engage in istighfar. We immediately engage in now turning the heart again to Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise this heart starts now taking that haram pleasure from that. So now it is getting pulled in that direction. And then the person gets dragged into it again. So this is the aspect that he is explaining here, that another severe harm of thinking of evil is that the desire to commit sins is intensified as a result. There is a grave danger that one will become physically involved in sin. This is that aspect of the nafs. Example that's touched on very briefly, which is the example of Hazrat Ma'ar Rum Rahmatullah about this person who was a woodcutter. These are all parables that he went out, it was the winter months, it was snowing outside. So he went out and chopped wood and he came across this snake, this huge serpent. But now because of the severe cold, this was probably in hibernation or whatever, it was like dead. Severe cold. So he just picked it up. He thought he's dead because there was no movement or anything. So he picked it up and brought it. He's going to now boast with it that look, this is how brave I am that I captured the snake. Meanwhile he picked up a dead snake, so to say. So in any case, he brought it and because it was like dead, he just took it and dropped it in his room down on the floor because now he had no concern about it. And then he went to sleep. Now in the morning, he's going to boast about it. But that fire that was lit in the room had warmed the room up. So he was fast asleep after a while. But this heat started now warming the snake up also. And a short time... Again it was the movement came in. But as soon as the movement came, the person that was closest was this woodcutter that was sleeping. So it immediately bit him and injected its poison into him. Now this is the parable of the nafs. That sometimes with Mujahada, the month of Ramadan, with a person has gone out in Jamaat and spent his time correctly person has been in the company of the Ahlullah, person has been doing some efforts on himself. So, in time, it seems like this nafs is now dead. But it hasn't died. It's just gone completely cold. Alhamdulillah, with the effects of the correct environment, the effects of the month of Ramadan, the effect of Hajj, the effect of Umrah, the effect of other righteous actions, so it is gone cold because it was not fed. It was not, alhamdulillah, because the person was doing the right thing. So it was now deprived. And the environment, etc. all froze it. So The person starts becoming lax after a while. And he starts dropping his guard, thinking that, well, now I'm fine. But there is never a time that a person can regard himself as fine. Fine is only when hatta Until that last breath a person has left on iman, then he's fine. He's left this dunya on iman, he's got the certificate of now, success of the akhirat, now he's fine. Till then, till then every person has to be concerned, and has to be working, till the time, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ hatta yaqeen. Zikr Remember your Rabb is in that broad context. Continue to make every effort to remain in the obedience of your Rabb. The verbal zikr, the hard zikr, all this is meant to bring the total itaats, total obedience. So till that last breath of person can't remain complacent for one moment. So this is that couplet that was mentioned also. That is nafs-e-ammara ka koi barosa nahi e-zahid. That this nafs amara, this nafs which keeps inciting towards evil, you cannot trust it for one moment. If Farishta ho jaye, to usse bad rehna. If this got over time transformed into an angel, meaning like an angel, that nafs is a nafs, but it started behaving as if it's an angel now. Even then, you should remain very suspicious of it. Don't ever become lax. This is the message that is been given to us. So, this nafs now, so shaitan tries to keep putting that heat, like this woodcutter now thought that the snake is dead. So, he just let it lie close by without any care. Now, that was the neglect. So, likewise, sometimes a person, mashallah, is making every effort to guard his gaze. He is keeping himself away from any haram. So, shaitan uses the thoughts of the mind, the thoughts of the past, or whatever, in whichever form, to start giving some heat to this nafs again. Which was now frozen. By means of these thoughts he starts putting some heat into this nafs again. Now this person didn't remain cautious in that regard. but allowing the mind to wander. Before he knows it that nafs is in motion again. And now one thing leads to another. And before he knows it he's fallen already. This is the aspect that the heart has to be controlled. The Ahlullah, the Sufya, the Kiram, there are many incidents of this. Somebody says that for the past 30 years, now this is a way of explaining it, that I sat at the door of my heart. Meaning I was very, very vigilant. And any thought that came into, towards the heart, which was going to be distracting me from Allah Ta'ala, I immediately dispelled it. Now sitting for thirty years at the door of the heart, this means that he was super vigilant for thirty years. After the thirty years now, it seems like things are fully under control with the Fazal of Allah. Ta'ala. So what amount of effort we are required to make? A person sometimes thinks, Well, all these things, is there any way that I would be able to overcome the situation. This seems to be too much for me, but all is required of us is to start making the effort, and Allah Taala will open the way. We have to make the mujahada. The hidayah is from Allah Taala, but have we done what is in our capacity? The mujahada that is necessary from us. The mujahada will have to be at various levels to overcome that haram, to overcome the sin. One great Muzruk, Abdullah bin Wahab, perhaps his name was, the student of Imam Malik, he says, I realize I am getting caught in the sin of Ghibad. I need to sort this out. So I decided, he says, to fast every time that I am going to make ghibat to fast. But now sometimes, some people become, mashallah, so accustomed with fasting, that becomes a pleasure, it's meaning no mujahada involved. That becomes something they actually look forward to. So you see, I started fasting, this became very easy for me. And I found that the mujahada which I was trying to create, that there would be some pressure on the nerves by means of fasting, that just didn't happen. Because now I became accustomed to this. And as a result, there was now no more pinch on the nafs. So the zhibad happened, I fasted, but it didn't pinch the nafs. Till. He got the reward for the fasting. But he was fasting now for the further objective. So then I took the step of, every time I'm going to fall in this, besides obviously Tawbah, Istighfar, I will give one dirham also, of whatever number of dirhams. Now when it comes to, Now, parting with one's wealth, for most people, that is where the pinch comes. But it will come when it is a significant amount, considering what the person's own income is. For somebody, ten rands also is a lot. The person is earning just maybe two thousand rands a month, and now if he made a five times in the day, so now he decided at the end of the day, now he counted how many times I made a it was five, five times that he realized he made river. So besides toba, istighfar, whatever else has to be done, so now he had converted himself to 10 rands per time, so now 50 rands. For that person, that 50 rands is a very big sum. Because that 50 rands sometimes is by the end of the month, he's scratching around for that also. That could mean one day's meal that he might have to go without. So for him mashallah that was a very big mujahada. But for somebody else, that might be less than pocket money. He says, for 10 rands, I'll make it 100 rands. Once upon a time, in Pakistan, when the great alim and mufti, Mahmood, Ali was his name, he had become the president of Pakistan at that time. MashaAllah a lot of things had changed for the better, and in various institutions, etc., the effort was being made now to bring things into the line of deen. So because of this general influence in one university, or there was some place where it was a university kind of situation, but a boarding situation, so they decided that you have to put more effort onto the deeni tarbiyat also of the students. So now many of them were neglecting their salah in that university. So, he decided that anybody misses his salah, then per salah this will be the fine. That is a separate maslah on his own, whether it's permissible to impose a monetary fine for these kind of things. But in any case, this is what was done. that Per salah, so much. There were some students there who had come from very, very wealthy families. So, now when they heard that this will be the case, this is the penalty per salah. So now, for example, say it was five rand per salah. around and calculated for the whole year how much it comes to. Can you give it in advance? But well, there's the penalty in advance. Don't, don't talk to us now for the whole year. Now, ibn zadi So what mujahada was that for him now? For that person, that five rand meant nothing. So he needs to make it five thousand rand then. Meaning, obviously, according to what he a significant amount, significant enough, to pinch that nafs. To put pressure on that nafs. So now he says, I undertook this. In order to bring this zhibat under control. That I will give so many dirhams each time that I slip up in this. He says, and I started doing that. He says, in a short while, because this now became difficult on me. And a short while, this became something well within control. And with the favour of Allah, I then never fell into this sin again. But what he did he did the necessary mujahada he did what was required of him that was the jahadu feena. that was the mujahada and when he made the necessary mujahada allah taala opened the door for him la nahdhiyannahum subulana wa inna allaha la so what we are supposed to do is the mujahada now a person thinks too far ahead but what will happen if i don't manage it now a person if everything in life he thinks in that manner then what will he do he wants to start off a business, but what if it fails? So what if it fails? He doesn't start the business. So now he decides to, okay, maybe he should take up a profession. But what if he doesn't pass that last exam? Everything will fall. So he doesn't start that. So maybe he should do some job. But what if he messes the job up? He'll get fired. So before he gets fired, he'd rather not even start the job. So now he keeps thinking in that negative manner. Then he'll sit and starve. Then he'd rather sit and starve then because he will not be able to do anything, because everywhere there is some risk. So, he doesn't think in that manner when it comes to dunya. Dunya he says, no, inshallah it will come right. And Allah forbid if something happens, we will we'll have to attend to it then. And taking it even further, he says, well, unfortunately so many times you hear, somebody was married, then that marriage broke. So, Allah forbid, I want to get married now, but what if something goes wrong, so rather don't get married. That was the last thing he will think about, that well, rather don't get married. He said, no, don't worry, it will all work out. So that's the positive way, that's to look, look at it, and inshallah, with the fuzzle of Allah, Ta'ala, he adopts the right manner, the right approach of handling things correctly, and inshallah, everything will work out for him. So he doesn't get deterred by even... What he might have seen around him, something that went wrong for somebody else, that doesn't deter him from still doing what he's supposed to do. Then he carries on trying his best. So, likewise, this is also Shaitan's tab that well, previously half a dozen times I already tried to make the effort, but I didn't come right. So now, what's the point? The thing is that we have to do what is in. Our responsibility, our responsibility is at mujahada, with sincerity and fulfilling the requirements of it, and together with that, being in righteous company, and following the advices of some person who we have taken to guide us along, then a person follows the procedures, Allah tala opens the way for him. So this is what's required of us, which we should do, and Allah Taala will open the way for us. May Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us from all these haram actions. By the barakah of being protected from these sins, it will inshallah become easy to remain safe from all other sins. Note the above mentioned actions, leaving the beard equal to one fist length and wearing the garments above the ankles are for men to practice upon. Women on the other hand should practice on the following two actions in addition to safeguarding the eyes and the hearts in order to attain the friendship of Allah Ta'ala. This is then the discussion about what women should be adopting. So, we will read through this, because this is something that's advice for us as well, that we need to be guiding our folk in this regard. So, what is for them, number one, shari'i hijab, parda. One sin which has become very widespread and common these days, is not adopting the Sharia hijab, that is parada, let alone the common people, the elite and so-called religious people are also involved in this vice of not adopting shar'i hijab from ghair mahram relatives. Some women wear the burqa from head to toe when they leave the home but they do not adopt the hijab from ghair mahram male relatives. Whereas this is also a command of the sharia. Actually, Adopting hijab from ghair-mahram-made need to be given needs to be given more importance due to the fact that one comes into contact more with relatives than with strangers. Therefore, one should be very cautious in this regard. Unfortunately, because certain things become so common, that after some time, because a person hasn't seen anything different sometimes, the concept of this being a sin also leaves the mind and heart. There is no understanding of this being a sin also. There have been several instances where a person, while in the course of that discussion, something came up and something about his interaction with his cousin, for example. He says, Well, that's not permissible. She's a non mahram to you. He says, But she's like my sister. He says, But it's not permissible, this is something that Dean says. but she was, we grew up together. So now in order to, now this is such a clear thing, but he can't understand it. So Okay, do people get married to their cousins? Yeah, they get married to their cousins. So now, if she's your sister, then how does this happen then? So that constant, now this is a very severe level that one is a person is involved in something and he realizes this is wrong so he knows he's conscious of it that this is haram this is wrong then there is still some door that could open there's hope that he would make toba from that he would make some he'll be concerned about correcting it something somewhere will open out inshallah though that doesn't mean that now he should drag his feet in sorting that out but there is some consciousness that will open the door. a person doesn't even think that there is anything wrong with it, then where is, how far away and how distant away is the hope, that now this will get sorted out also. Because if he doesn't think it wrong, then why would he try to sort something out? If he thinks it's fine, so if something is fine, why bother about it? But this is as a result of either ignorance, or because we got so caught up in the customs and norms of the time, that the whole concept just left the mind and hearts. So, this is the aspect that is being mentioned here. The male relative, the following male relatives are mahram, and it is compulsory to adopt hijab from them. One, maternal aunt's husband. Number two, paternal aunt's husband. Male cousins from the paternal uncle, male cousins from the maternal uncle and paternal uncle, male cousins from the maternal aunts, male cousins from the paternal aunts, the sister's husband, all male. It's a brother-in-law, the sister's husband, all male relatives of the husband except father-in-law. Want to take special caution in regards to brother-in-laws. One woman asked Rasulullah sallallahu as to whether she should adopt the hijab from her brother-in-law. Rasulullah sallallahu replied, "The brother-in-law is death." Rasulullah sallallahu replied, "The brother-in-law is death. al al mawd This means that just as death puts an end to life, Similarly, by not adopting hijab from the brother-in-law, will put an end to one's deen. By put an end to one's marriage, put an end to one's deen. Therefore, one should fear the brother-in-law, just as one fears death. The person is very, very apprehensive about death. So, likewise, she should be very apprehensive about any interaction with the brother-in-law. This is because there is more fitna involved, and that is why Rasulullah emphasized this more and warned us in regards to it. There is one couplet here which is a couplet of one very great personality of India, Akbar Ilahabadi Marhum Alayh. So this is his couplet rather than quotes Aajkal Parda Dari natija nikla." The ke beta hai nikla. Now he used to be, he was a poet and he used to say some very very deep things in a very, call it sarcastic manner sometimes call it in a way which sort of mocks the wrong but in order to bring this to the heart and mind of what the reality is so likewise this is a couplet here you he see that this is the end result of this abandoning of Parda in this time. This is the end result of abandoning Parda, that the one that the person was thinking to be his son, turned out to be his nephew. The one he was thinking that this is his son, turned out to be his nephew, that due to the haram that happened, and then he thought well life carried on, now suddenly he realizes something else. But this is the unfortunate consequence of abandoning the hijab. Once one person came to Hazrat Maha Abra'ul Ali now he was keeping in touch also he had some kind of talluk but a very casual talluk. His brother also was associated with Hazrat and mashallah he was now trying to do everything accordingly. He was learning as time goes he realized that this was also something that was a problem in his home So, the brother who now was committed to now doing everything correct and changing whatever is wrong, so he took a decision that look from now and with his wife, they both decided they are going to adopt complete Parda. Now, prior to that, this younger brother would also come, would also just interact with his sister-in-law casually, etc. Now, suddenly one day when he came, after this decision was taken here, came to visit, so now, the sister-in-law remained out of sight. The brother brought whatever he wanted to present to him to eat, etc. So he asked about his sister-in-law. So first he just said something. Then again, when he said, but she's not around or something, he said, no, we have decided that we're going to be adopting Shari Parada now, so she won't be interacting with you anymore. So this fellow got very upset. She's breaking ties now. So he came to complain about this. That my brother now has cut ties from me. He says, what do you mean he cut ties from you? I went to visit him. So now I don't know what's wrong with me, but he, his wife didn't even come to greet me or anything. And now he... So that allowed him to carry on first talking, what do you want to say? They asked him that you went to visit your brother or your sister-in-law. I went to visit my brother. Did your brother entertain you well? Did he welcome you? Says, yes, you welcome me. So then, what's your problem? So it seems that you didn't go to visit your brother. You went to visit your sister in law. Under the guise of visiting your brother, this was the reality. So the person then kept quiet, but he was sincere. So then, when he realized, now this was the deception of Shaitan, that initially he couldn't even recognize this reality. But he was put on the spot. Because of his sincerity, he realized it. And then he acknowledged, yes, this is my fault. And what is being now pinpointed was the reality. That in the guise of visiting the brother, he actually was going to take haram pleasure out of that interaction with the sister-in-law. So this is that fitna that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is warning us about, that Al-Hammu al And this is the purpose of this law that Allah Ta'ala has given. This is not something that, Is some custom of some Indian custom or some other custom. This is something which is in the Quran Sharif. And in such a, we call it dramatic manner, this has been highlighted. Dramatic in the sense that Allah addressed the most pure personalities of the Ummad. Allah Ta'ala addressed them to make them the initial addressees so that anybody who comes thereafter can dare not say that this doesn't apply to me. Allah Ta'ala says that Allah Ta'ala is addressing who? Primary addressees of this are the, the Sahaba Ikram. Sahaba are being addressed. That if you have to ask of the Azwaja Mutahharat, any necessity, there would be occasion when somebody had to ask something of necessity, people would come and ask because many Masail of deen will learn from the Azwaja Mutahharat. So, there was this level of interaction to some point, but even if there wasn't, Allah Ta'ala still made this as a rule. For the Ummad, by using these personalities as the example. so Allah is saying to the Sahaba, that if you have to ask anything of the Azwaj Mutahharat, the noble and pure and chaste wives of Rasulullah, who are the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, they are the mothers of the Ummad, but because they are not biological mothers, they are mothers of the Ummad in the spiritual sense, but they are not biological mothers. So the law of hijab now will still apply. Allah Ta'ala is saying to the Sahaba, that if you have to ask something of necessity to the Azwaj Mutahharad, min warai hijab, Then do so from behind the curtain. Behind the veil and the curtain. And why? Allah Ta'ala then says, wa That perhaps somebody might come in the 20th century and say, no, this applied only in the olden times. It doesn't apply anymore now. So Allah says to these most pure personalities who had the company of Rasulullah Allah says to them that this curtain and this barrier in between, that too when out of necessity you have to interact in some way, this barrier in between is a means of greater purity for your heart and their hearts. Not that there was any possibility we may call it if you wish, in the practical sense, that there was any fear of any fitna, but this was the standard that was set for the ummah. That look, if they are being addressed also, then what right anybody else has to try and make some kind of excuse for himself and exclude himself. So This is the law of Allah and this is something which And from time to time, this kind of, sometimes some articles are being published by, and this is the tragedy of this information explosion, that there's so much of information just being flooded out there in the market, and a person doesn't know who is the person writing it, he has no idea what the credentials of the person are, (coughs) what is his, the authenticity of what he's saying, but because things are being said in a very, very captivating manner, person has got the got some command of the language or whatever the case is, so now he needs to be read and he needs to be heard and from time to time this kind of modern ideologies, which have got, if it's modern, then it means it's now, it's got no link with what is the origin, it's got no link with what is deen and Shariat. because deen and Shariat is not modern, deen and Shariat is olden, it is from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu It is 1400, almost 15 centuries old. So, if something is modern, then it's got no link to that. So, from time to time, these kind of things are now being put forward. That this arda and all these things is just some Indian custom, or it is just something else. There's no uh, basis for this in Deen Nauswillah. We need to be very wary about who we listen to, what we read. Otherwise, it is very very dangerous. A person sometimes is reading something, and before he knows it, his mind is influenced in the wrong things, and he doesn't know the better. As a result, before he knows it, he is already now doing the wrong things. This has happened. People who one person, Allah, Allah I give all taufiq. We shouldn't be looking down upon anybody. Nobody knows who is being discussed. This is for the Ibrad. That his wife was in hijab, complete parda and hijab. He got. Influence somewhere. After time, first he started doing some other things in a different way, and then one day, suddenly, some person got a shock. He sees this person is walking down the street with his wife, completely all that hijab, everything all flew away. So, what happened? He says, No, this is what, well, I have realized now. Now I have realized. This is the shaitani realization. I realized that all this is not necessary in Dean now, azubillah. so this is. Whereas, let alone the command of deen, this is obvious, deen will command something that is necessary. Previously, previously meaning, might be going maybe 50 years back, <coughs> maybe a century back, in all noble families, families of nobility, even if they were not Muslim, even up to now, in many, many, whether it is in... Many cultures, in families of nobility, the women have a completely separate space. If there is some function, there is some, whatever, gathering of family people, whatever the case is, there is no intermingling. Whereas these are not even Muslims. This was, a century ago, this was like a common thing in all cultures. Those who are of loose character, they would be the ones who would be intermingling and interacting with men and so on. But anyone who was from a noble family, from a noble background, we're we talking about people without iman, because this was something that was a natural part of this natural haya, which is inborn in every human being. But then after a while, because of the environment the person is growing in, because of the things a person gets exposed to, this haya completely breaks down, let alone person in, growing up in a family of where there's no deen, no iman, even where there's iman and Islam, but if that haya is not in that home, if all the evil that is being spewed out on the television screen, those movies, that magazines, those newspapers, now that child is growing up, watching all this, watching that shameless dressing of the elders around, so then that child's haya also breaks completely, before the child has even grown, that haya has been thrown. So the child also grows up in that shameless manner. But once upon a time, when this haya was meant, because it's a natural thing, this is not even something confined only to a Muslim. This grow, this is an inborn thing in every human being. So, because of this natural haya, in all these cultures also, whether it was the Hindu culture, even the Jewish culture, and this is actually the, obviously the word barkatiya is misplaced, but the. Negative Barkat, the so-called Barkat of the West. This is where this has stemmed from. This complete breakdown of Prada and breakdown of Haya, this has come from the Western lifestyle. So, this was something common in all cultures previously. So, this is something which now is being put, now, as something that doesn't exist in Deen. How can it not exist in Deen when this is part of the, the nature of a human being? And whatever was naturally part of this insan's good, deen has catered for all those things. So, we should be very wary about what we read, who we listen to, because sometimes in the guise of some very, very uh, well-presented things, well-presented literature, well-presented some talks, but Allah forbid there's poison being put through it. This is the poison that is sugar-coated. So the taste is very nice, but after it has rolled down the tongue, then the taste is over. Now the poison starts acting. So it sounds very nice to the ears, it looks very nice when a person reads it, it sounds terrific, but there's the poison being fed through it. Allah taala give us tafiq, Allah taala protect us, keep us steadfast on deen and iman, and keep us steadfast on all the ahkam of shari'at and deen. Wa Alhamdulillah.